Have you ever wondered what the Jedi and Sith meant to George Lucas? Did you ever wonder about their history and possibly the wars they had between each other from George Lucas's perspective? Well, today we're going to get to learn that. And this is all from the Star Wars Archives 1999 to 2005 by Paul Duncan. Now, in the novel, I'm in the Revenge of the Sith section. This is the part where George is talking about everything to do with Revenge of the Sith, from shooting it, to writing it, to the stories and lore behind Revenge of the Sith, going way before the prequels even began, and starting to talk about the Rule of Two. Now, if you haven't read the Darth Bane trilogy, you're missing out big time. Not only on lore, but really great storytelling, and a character that I've come to really enjoy learning about, which is, of course, Darth Bane. Now, in the Star Wars archives, under a chapter called Rule of Two, George Lucas says this about the Jedi and Sith, and it's a very enlightening, it's very interesting, and then after I read the excerpt, we can go on to talk about it. Now, if you haven't picked this book up, I highly recommend it. It's chock full of tons of different things and details that you never even knew about, things I've never even seen or heard about. The Rule of Two. There was never a war between the Jedi and the Sith Lords. The Sith Lords were in control for a long time. And what happens when you have a world full of Sith Lords? They start killing each other to see who's going to be the top Sith Lord. They don't vote, they just kill. It's like a medieval feudal system. There may have been thousands or millions of them, and eventually, after 100 or 150 years, they killed everyone except for two. And the more powerful of the two decided, you are my apprentice, I'm your master. I will pass on my knowledge to you to keep the dark side of the force alive. But he would keep a close eye on his apprentice. But the arrangements never worked because the apprentice was constantly trying to recruit another person so that the two of them together could be more powerful than their master. They could kill him and take over. Likewise, the master is also looking for another apprentice so that he can keep the first apprentice in line. The rule of two ensures that if there's more than two, they'll kill each other until there are two left. So, first of all, before we continue here, because Paul Duncan asks some pretty insightful questions to George that makes him open up even more about the Rule of Two and the Sith and the Old Republic, essentially, as to where a lot of this is coming from. When George mentions the fact that there were thousands or millions of Sith Lords, and eventually after 100 or 150 years, they all killed each other, is something we see in the old KOTOR games. And if you haven't seen the cinematics for Knights of the Old Republic and Star Wars The Old Republic, you're really missing out too, because those are pretty sweet. You can just search them up on YouTube and <laughs> check them out for yourself. They're pretty awesome. But essentially, this was the idea of the Sith. Now before Bane, before the Rule of Two existed, it was the Brotherhood of Darkness, and it was basically a collective of Sith Lords. However, Bane got the idea of the Rule of Two from a hologram of Revan, and he essentially thought, well, the only reason these Brotherhood of Darkness aren't doing the Rule of Two is because they're too afraid and they're too weak to really be seen as the strongest one. So they need to have a collective, they need to roll in a big crew. But the real power lies in only two, a master and an apprentice. And so, of course, and you know, Bane took the title of Darth in the book and so on and so forth, and then in the end met his own apprentice, Rain, Darth Xana. Now when George goes on to say the agreement never worked because the apprentice was constantly trying to recruit another person, is also very true, and we see that time and time again. I mean, look at Plagueis and Palpatine. Palpatine tried to recruit Darth Maul, and Plagueis allowed it because he said he's not a true Sith, he's just an assassin, and he's just meant to be a tool. But at the very end, of course, Palpatine killed Plagueis, made Maul his apprentice, and when Maul died, made Dooku his apprentice, and then of course he was looking to get Anakin. What happened once he got Anakin 
Vader then he was looking for another apprentice, and he found that in Luke Skywalker. But what was Vader doing that whole time too? He was trying to turn Luke to the dark side so that they both could overthrow the Emperor. <laughs> it, was, it was a constant vicious cycle of basically backstabbing each other as many times as you could until it's just you left. But in the end, there's never just you left because there's always someone that you're trying to team up with to take out someone bigger. And this endless cycle always created the rule of two, essentially. But not really the true meaning of the rule of two, it just was this trickster, hidden, scheming, and shady rule of two. He goes on to say, likewise, the master is also looking for another apprentice so that he can keep the first apprentice in line. The rule of two ensures that if there's more than two, they'll kill each other until there are two left. So like the Brotherhood of Darkness, they all pretty much died in the end through the thought bomb. And then of course, Bane was just one until he found Rain. George goes on to say, then the Republic came to power. So this is when the Jedi came in and the Jedi brought peace to the galaxy by being ambassadors and troubleshooters. So when the Senate decides to do something or the Jedi Council discovers something that's amiss, the Jedi fix it. The Jedi don't like to fight or kill people. They're monk warriors. They're monks first and they try to convince people to get along. And if you don't comply, your hand comes off. So this right here also shows the compassion of the Jedi versus the Sith. So of course, you know, they became a little bit uh, distanced from the force itself and they were just merely working politically for the Republic in the prequels, of course. But this goes to show that even if they didn't like someone, even if they, you know, it came to killing someone, they just took off a hand. You know, they didn't go on and actually behead the person all that much, unless, of course, you're Anakin Skywalker, where you bend the rules to your will. But if they could prevent death, they would. They would just maim. George says they use their powers to keep the governments of all the planets in line so that they don't do terrible things. And this is also true. The Jedi essentially got dragged into the war because of a blockade. If you think of it, Star Wars really started because of a blockade. If Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon weren't assigned to protect Padme Amidala, then none of this would have happened. They wouldn't have crash landed on Tatooine, they wouldn't have found Anakin, and pff, voila, yeah, you have Star Wars. All of this started because of the Nemoidians and Naboo. So it kind of does make you wonder, if they had never found Anakin, then what was Palpatine's plan going to be? What was he going to do in the end? He wouldn't have had Anakin, he would have just had these flunky sort of apprentices. Maul, Dooku, so on and so forth. But then, we could say that if Anakin was never in the picture and he was just on Tatooine, which I've also covered in a video, Anakin has a fan fiction for himself in his own mind about what had happened or what would have happened if he never became a Jedi, if Qui-Gon never found him, he decided that he would have just become a world, well, a galaxy class pod racer. He would have used the force and his Jedi instincts, but he never would have known that that's what they were. He would have just been really good at it. So my little fanfiction here in this video right now is off the top of my head. If Anakin was never in the picture, Maul was gone, but then Dooku would never die to Anakin. So Dooku and Palpatine would continue on with Grievous, and then Maul would still be alive in the picture somewhere. So things could get completely convoluted and, well, if they all joined forces, I mean, Palpatine would be unstoppable. Paul Duncan asks George, and they have the moral authority for that? Where George says, yeah, they are the most moral of anybody in the galaxy. They're monks. The Sith practice the dark side and are way out of balance. 
The Jedi aren't as much out of balance because they're the light side of the Force. They still have the bad side of the Force in them, but they keep it in check. It's always there, so it can always erupt if you let your guard down. The Emperor snookered the Jedi with Order 66, the nascent rebellion and the Jedi didn't move fast enough. This is also an interesting point I'd really like to cover as well because we got to see this in the Clone Wars, with Yoda fighting his dark side self on Morband. This is also shown with Mace Windu, who has said in the novels that he created Vapod to combat the darkness within himself. Mace Windu, purple lightsaber, yes, Samuel Jackson wanted purple and that's why he got it, but in canon, in the universe, red and blue make purple. Mace Windu uses the dark side within himself to better his light side self. So they all have the dark side, and in the comics even, Qui-Gon Jinn almost went to the dark side after his love interest, his girlfriend Tall, was killed right in front of him. Paul Duncan says they're fallible, and George says they're not super people, which means that the Jedi can fail, they can lose, which is exactly what happened, I mean they did. Order 66 snuffed them out and pretty much brought them to extinction almost. So when it came to the Jedi and the Sith, it really wasn't necessarily the Jedi beating the Sith. It was essentially the Sith just kind of beating themselves. The Jedi could have just been irrelevant, to be honest. Now, the Jedi played a hand in the end, but for the most part, the Sith kind of just beat themselves up. They eradicated their own race, so to speak, their own kinds of people. Now, of course, once the Rule of Two came around, it was harder to find them, harder to kill them, because there weren't so many in abundance, but it also meant that if they did kill them, then there was really only one that was left. That being said, it's still kind of questionable because they never really know if there was one more being trained, you know, a third one being trained, or a fourth one being trained that no one really knew about. Now, Darth Plagueis had seven other I could say apprentices, but apprentices to be potential apprentices that he had his eye on, that he was thinking of making his apprentice, to which all were hunted down, but I digress. I've always loved going through these Star Wars archive stories and interviews with George because we get to learn so many things about Star Wars from his mind. You know, it's this isn't coming from my mind, you know, as a fan and coming up with theories and things like that and trying to explain it to the best of my ability, but it's actually coming from the dude who created this entire world, this entire galaxy. So it's the most, it's the most pure form of canon that it can ever get. So I hope you enjoyed this little excerpt. I hope you enjoyed my thoughts on it and my theories on it and my breakdown on it to the best of my ability. I hope you'll join me for the next video. And if you enjoyed this one, consider hitting like, consider subscribing if you're new here. And if you're not, can't wait to see you again. Until the next one, remember, the Force will be with you always.